You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. All right, straight from the words of a listener who has left a feedback or a comment on iTunes, Shannon. Don't yeah. change a thing. The most awesome and refreshing thing I've heard about marriage in a long time. Keep up the good work. I love it. <laughs> no. I, I love it. Maybe uh, I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't get my hair cut if I shouldn't change it. Oh, oh never mind. I don't, they, they, they'll never know where they're at. Yeah, I don't know if that necessarily applies to the whole concept of <laughs> podcast and radio. If we were doing video stuff, yeah, maybe we got a little more. So but, you don't have to shave. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Just, just keep doing it the way you do it, Corey. Exactly. It for you. Exactly. So, <laughs> hey, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. We are glad that you take the time out every week to listen to us and join us in a conversation about how married sex is, in fact, the best sex going on on the face of the planet. And we want to help that be the truth in your in your case. And so, the way this works is if you let us know what's on your mind, what kind of comments, questions you may have. We love hearing them, so send them to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, like I mentioned earlier, and leave a comment or a five-star review. That helps us spread the word and climb the charts in the sexuality category of the podcast world. And I love how we just recently surpassed how many downloads? Well, we're getting close. We're not quite to a million, but we're within a... Yeah, probably three or four episodes of a million. We're I'll, on the cut. I'll announce it when it happens because that's a big deal. I mean that that yeah, is that is a very big deal. And we're also uh, up into the hundreds, 175 on the ratings and almost 100 comments in, in iTunes. So it's time to, you know, cross those thresholds, if you will, because Woo-hoo. we we love having the feedback and and hearing how what we do every week helps people in, improve and increase the aspects of their life and their sex life. So what I really love is when we get an email from someone who says, I just recently discovered you and I can't get enough. And I've been going back to the archives and it's like, they're like kamikaze digging out on sexy marriage radio. It's binge (laughs) listening, binge listening of sexy marriage radio. I love it. (laughs) So here's something that we have an old show from Gina and I years ago, because if you're new to Sexy Marriage Radio, Shannon and I are, are your hosts, and we are the fearless leaders, I guess you could say, of venturing into this world of married sex, but we are not married to each other. We have um, our own marriages that we have going on that are 40-plus years of marriage represented between the two of us, and prior to this past year, um, the show was done with uh, Gina Paris, and no, I'm your second professional wife. Is that how it works? Um, I, I, <laughs> Gina was your starter. I, no, no, wife. no comment. Um, <laughs> it's, that was wise. Yeah, but it's it's one of those that so Shannon brings a different perspective because this is this is just a different journey that she, that she, that she's been on as opposed to what Gina had, and so we've covered this topic before as far as for sexy marriage radio, but Shannon, you and I have not covered. The concept of just obligation sex, or uh, it can be referred to as mercy sex. It's it's the whole dynamic that unfolds in a marriage where you have the high desire and you have the low desire. That's just a given in my world as far as the, between the two different spouses. One person's going to always want sex more than another. 
Guaranteed. Like, I've never met a couple who said, we're completely equally matched. Right. We both want sex three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like clockwork. We yep. never argue about it. Yeah, it just it, doesn't happen that it, way. Yeah, and we just get horny at the exact same time every time. And you yeah, know, it just does not work. Exact same right. Thing. So mm-hmm. this sets up the dynamic or the dilemma, depending on how you want to look at it, in a marriage where oftentimes the low desire sex partner will get into this this role of well it's just an obligation it's just part of my job as a wife or my marital duty right it's a duty that i'm supposed to perform and so i'll just go ahead and finally give up sex to get them off my back and at least buy me a couple (laughs) more days before i start getting pestered for more and and so you know it just sets up this dynamic that's just not real um inviting i guess you could say yeah it actually reminds me of a joke I heard recently of uh, there was this um, particular guy who wanted to know if um, if sex was allowed on the Sabbath. And so he approached his rabbi and said, what do you say, rabbi? Is, is sex allowed on the Sabbath or is that considered work? And he said, sex is absolutely not considered work. And he said, well, how, how, do, how do you know for sure? You seem so certain. And he said, look. If sex was work, my wife would hire a maid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the, but okay, the, I can it's already think work. of it's not a marital duty. Yeah, it's but I can already life. think of there's there's a big group of our listening listening population that are sitting there saying, "Yeah, sex is work because I'm not interested or I don't, you know, and man, so that's that's where this dynamic comes out. Do you remember when we were little and we would go out to play and maybe they had a kickball game going on in the field or we were riding bikes around the block? You know what? We got our heart rates up. We might have even sweat a little bit. We released some adrenaline. It was work. But it never crossed our minds that we're working. Right. It wasn't burdensome. Yeah, it wasn't burdensome. It, no, it wasn't a it chore. Was, as soon as we finish our last bite of dinner, we're out the door to go play. Right, right. And that's a lot of it. And that's where I think this whole conversation, we need to start it. Because first and foremost, in, in my opinion, mercy sex and obligation sex and all of that, it's still part of a system. So if it's happening, it's happening. So what? It's sex. It's happening, <laughs> you know. So yeah. It's, it's so a, what are you saying? Don't complain. It's, well, I'm not saying don't complain. Um, I'm saying that it's it's part of just the process of a sex life unfolding and then possibly improving. Because yeah. it, it comes down to what role do you play when it comes to your sex life? It comes down to what do you what do you accept, and what do you not accept? Because if if you are on the other side of it, if you're the one that mercy sex is being offered to, well, you have to accept it. <laughs> you know, just you you could just as easily say, no, I'm not interested in you just being a dead fish and a receptacle or reading the newspaper while I'm on top of you or whatever. I I want a little more engagement. I want a little more involvement and I'm not gonna settle for less. Yeah. But my guess is is that most people who are on the higher end of the testosterone spectrum and are on the, that they're more the high desire partner, they're probably not going to do that. No. They're probably going to take whatever I can get. Exactly. And when they project that image 
of a starving animal yep. <laughs> because I may not get it again for a month. I'm or satisfied with scraps. Exactly. It. I think that it kind of perpetuates. The it does. That it absolutely does. So that's where it's not just the person that's the low desire that's at fault, quote unquote, to create mercy sex. Both players in this contribute and co-create it. That's, that's reality because one offers it up and one accepts it <laughs> because right. I've heard it said that, and this, this is just kind of a great way to flip the way you're viewing what goes on between the two of you is what it, it, you had this couple where one is the low desire and, and they, for stereotypical, let's just go male, female. Okay. okay. It just makes this conversation a whole lot easier, but hear, hear us very clearly there are exceptions, and we know that's not the hard and fast rule of the wife right. is the low desire. That's just not true. It's not, you know, there's, there's always exceptions to this, and it's not even a split 50-50 or major majority or whatever. But so you have the wife that she's the low desire, and she's only interested in sex just very, very little. And you have the husband who just wants as much as he can possibly get from her. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the reason that she is the low desire is because she actually has the best judgment going on about the type of sex that's having, that they're having, that she knows full bore the sex they're having isn't worth wanting because, oh, wow. because it sucks. You know, it's, it's just lame. Oh, and not in a good way. It's just lame <laughs> sex. And so now all of a sudden you have to start questioning the high desire because he wants multiple helpings of, of crappy sex. Oh, wow. And it's like, hold on a sec. Yeah, and it's just a whole, it's a totally a whole different, different way to look at what's going on is, wait, why are you settling for scraps? So maybe they're, you're saying maybe the reason the low desire spouse is low desire is because what they've gotten hasn't been worth craving. Right, and, and we get emails about that. We get emails from wives that will say, and even from husbands that will say, sex is all about the other person. And mm. there's no foreplay, there's no pursuit, there's no even checking to see if I'm interested in, in enjoying this or reaching climax or even taking my clothes off all the way. You know, it's just, it, so it's like, well, hold on a second. If you've set up a dynamic of sex is all about one partner, well, the other partner and, is eventually. And probably one body part. Right, and you, exactly. And the so the other partner is going to eventually reach the point of, why would I want this when there's nothing in it for me? Sure. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Uh, I definitely think that men go straight to the penis way too fast. Yeah. Uh, that it has to be a, you know, you, well, the part I like of, that notion of she comes first. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, no, that's it's true. Like ladies first. Well, part of, part of it's you the dynamic. Getting her riled up, she'll want your penis. Yeah, well, after. that's true. And, but part of it is is a biological thing, Shannon, because you, you've had a little boy in your house, and you know that you can't keep your hands off, you know. Right, A boy, just right. Can't, he's always checking, make sure it's still there. So it's, it's from birth. Then <laughs> 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 we go to the penis quick. Well, I also think there's another reason, uh, but I want to make to have you, have we fully unpacked that notion of maybe the technique needs to be reexamined. Maybe she needs to be, or, or, or even if it could be the other way around it, like you said, the stereotype doesn't apply all the time. Right. Maybe it's the woman who just wants to lay flat on her back and receive, right. but she's not as eager to right. be, uh, to be engaged in giving and that I mean, some men are like, I can just envision what's going through men's heads right now. So let me just move on. Okay. <laughs> Probably wise. 
I think that there's a reason why we automatically jump to the wife being the low desire, low desire partner uh, as the stereotype. Okay. And it's not just because men are more visually stimulated and higher testosterone producers and all of that. I, I actually have a theory. You know, people who listen to the show automatically assume that I've always been the higher desire partner in this marriage and nothing could be further from the truth. The first decade or more, maybe even first 15 years mm -hmm. of our marriage, we've been married 25 years. Um, and I really think that until I started researching for my book, The Sexually Confident Wife, uh, that I was more on the lower scale than mm -hmm. my husband. But when I started researching for that book and realized what a birthright it is for mm -hmm. a woman to be a sexually confident wife, that's when my sexual confidence bloomed, blossomed, right. whatever word you want to use. Uh, and interestingly enough, that happened right around the time that I turned 40. And I do think that the 40s are a magical time for a woman. But back to the stereotypical thing, most women are the ones staying at home with kids. Mm -hmm. They don't have a reason to get up and even take a shower in the morning. I know lots of moms who are like, I haven't had a shower all day, mm -hmm. you know? So they don't do their hair. They don't do their makeup. They don't put on nice clothes. They don't feel good about mm -hmm. themselves. And I think that to be poised and ready for a positive sexual encounter, you need to feel good about yourself. And so when men come home and she's still in the sweats or the pajamas and she's had kids around her ankles all day, there's just not a lot of sexual energy to that role. And the interesting thing is I had a client who their, their roles were, were, were reversed. She was an attorney. And so he decided to be the stay at home parent. Right. And she said, oftentimes she would come home and you know, he's got three days of beard growth. No offense, Corey. I know that that's your look, but you know, <laughs> hey, but for, <laughs> hey, okay. I know that's true. Go ahead. But, but for her husband, <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't necessarily a good look. He wasn't going for the Don Johnson look uh, that you know, he just, he, he wasn't, taking care of himself because he was so busy taking care of others. Right. And I have noticed that on the days where I have a reason to put on makeup because I have to go speak somewhere or, or you know, have a face-to-face -face coaching client coming to the house or whatever, that I do feel a little more amorous that evening mm -hmm. when I have felt good mm -hmm. in my skin all day. So I just want to encourage whoever the low desire partner is to maybe look at the lifestyle that you're living from day to day yep. and how much self-care are you providing and could that be where the, the problem lies? Right, because that also then leads into the people that work from home. Mm, yeah, who you never know, have a reason to... Right, it's like, hey, I my office is the other bedroom. So, I mean, I've had a client in the past that his office was downstairs. They worked from home and they started coming to see me because their sex life was really, really dwindling. And so they yeah. were like, we got to come up with something. And they recognized that the the big shift was when he started working from home. And so, the you know what the solution was? When he would get up in the morning, he would get dressed. He would do breakfast with the family. He would get in his car. He would drive around the block. And then he would go to his <laughs> office. I love it. And then after work was done, it, he would get he'd go, it. He'd come up the stairs, out the door, get in the car, drive around the block, and come in the house. I do think that there is something to that. It's crazy. It, yeah, it it, 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 but it, it worked for them. And that was the whole point is, you know, that's what coaching and counseling is, Shannon. That's a little, here's a little plug for both of what we do is it's not that we have the solutions. It's that we help people find the solutions that work for them. Right. And, and that's the goal. And so, yeah, I would have never thought of, well, what if you just went on a, a, a drive, you know, and came home? I just tried to come up with what what were ways that you could disconnect from office to home that it wasn't just 
walking up the stairs? You know, how could you make that a little more pronounced? And that made him start thinking more of, okay, I'm not working from home. I'm working from my office. So right. this is part of my identity. This is so he kind of that helped his skin in a sense. I would imagine that that helped too, just create that feeling of I'm punching the time clock right. and therefore now I'm in work mode right. and it helped his, his focus. Yeah. That reminds me, Corey, I hadn't really put two and two together about this, but uh, when we first moved away from Dallas, my husband continued driving back and forth an hour and 15 minutes every day to work. And uh, when he stopped that job and started working more locally, i.e. two miles down the road, we thought this is going to be so great. We're going to be able to have so much more sex because that's two hours a day that you're going to gain back. Right. It didn't work that way. Um, we were actually quite surprised right. that Greg kind of seemed to be in a funk a lot yep. of the time. And one day he said to me, he said, you know, I don't think that you understand that that hour and 15 minute drive every day after work was my opportunity to sit in silence. Mm -hmm. He's very much an introvert and to recharge my batteries so that by the time I walked in the house, I had something to give. But right. he said, right now I drive two miles down the road and I'm still so freaking drained by the time I walk in. So I was like, well, you know, why don't you drive, you know, into town and get groceries? <laughs> why don't, and come you, back and why do don't you drive to Dallas and back? <laughs> <laughs> do something, but yet do what works right. for you. Figure right. out when do I feel my sexiest? When do I feel my least sexiest? And what are the dynamics? What are the commonalities? What are the, what are the common threads that run through these patterns that right. we can weave a new tapestry? Right, because that's what it's that this goes back into the whole concept of mercy sex. And into the concept of just giving up and settling for scraps, because it starts to define what role do you contribute to the pattern and the dynamic that's in your life, because we both co-created. That's the one thing I want people to get across from this show, that yes, the low desire partner does control sex. I think that's a fact, because they get to decide which initiation to accept and wish initiation reject. to reject. Mm -hmm. And so it's on the high desire to constantly pursue. And this is one of the things I did early on in sexy marriage radio was just encourage husbands. Hey, keep, keep going to bat, you know, <laughs> just keep going to bat. That's your role for the time being. And that's also how you start to shift this mercy sex dynamic is you keep going to bat and you keep kind of ex accepting your role and co-creating things because this is a personal experience for me where what shifted the sex life for Pam and I years and years ago was me coming to grips with the fact that early on I was a very selfish lover and and out it was ignorance. and it was all yeah. out of it was all for me that was the whole point and a lot of it was anxiety driven that mm. I needed the sex so that I felt better about myself. Well, that is not attractive, yeah, that's not sexy <laughs> especially in the long run. There are times and seasons, because we've touched on this, where comfort sex, you know, with Greg and his father and mm -hmm. just those kinds of things where you kind of get a new dynamic of sex and you kind of realize, wow, this can be really a whole nother world that we can explore. But there's there's times where if you're propping up somebody all the time when it comes that you have to give up sex so that they feel better about them. Right. In long run, that's not attractive. And, and let me clarify, it wasn't sex with Greg and his father. That, that was worded very awkwardly. It okay. was sex with Greg because his father was terminally ill. <laughs> so for those who haven't heard that Fair particular enough. episode, I want to clarify, I do that's, not have sex with my husband and his father. Good point. Um, <laughs> but the whole thing about going to bat, Corey, um, something that I have definitely noticed in my husband's repertoire, and I, I know he would not mind me saying this, 
is that early on it was it was about me or, or no I mean not me is it in him it, it was all about him and his erection and his desire and you know mm-hmm. for an orgasm it, it was and so it was honey you know what can we do to take care of this for me type of a notion and so yeah it was more focused on him it was right. more focused on the penis Whereas the past 10 years, in addition to be just blossoming and becoming a more sexually confident wife, it's also been that he has become quite fascinated with the female genitalia and how God (laughs) wired that whole thing. And when I sense that the fascination isn't just about him, you know, crossing his finish line, it's really about indulging, playing, experimenting, exploring then there's there's something that draws me to that because right. I know that I'm the only playground that he can play that game on. Right. And so for for the guys that are listening, I really want to encourage you that when you do go to pat to bat, it's not about going to bat to get your penis relieved. It's going to bat and offering her pleasure mm-hmm. herself. Right. That you want to give her something. You want to bless her. You want to help her relax. You want her to release endorphins that are going to make her sleep better and to feel better during the day and help her, you know, I've said it over and over again, reduce the chances of Alzheimer's in your old age. Daily orgasm or frequent orgasm is the best way to do that. There's so many health benefits to it. So let it be what you're offering to her, not what you're expecting from her. Right. And that's, and how interesting that I fell into the same stereotype. It, it, it actually could, I might need to be talking to the woman who's the high desire that when she approaches her husband, maybe it's not about, well, I haven't had an orgasm in a week, you know. Right. And Shannon said, I have to have it almost every day or I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but no. Ministry. It's, it's offering each other what no one else on the planet can. Right. And what is so much more pleasurable and beneficial than what they're able to offer themselves. Right. Which means you have to come face to face with what role does this play in your life and what role do you want your sexuality to play in your life? Because that's, I mean, listening to you talk, one of the big shifts for me was grad school and taking some anatomy classes and, Mm. and understanding that it's not just genitalia, that it's, there's much more involved in as far as the skin in the various erogenous zones and the mind and the mind, everything, biggest sex organ right, that, that goes on. So it is becoming a student of not only yourself, which we've talked about in the past, but it's also a student of your spouse. And then I think with this show, it's a student of your relationship. It's a student mm-hmm. of understanding the dynamic that you play, understanding that, you know, hey, because there's an email that we got a while back of a woman that was saying, She's the low desire, and she wants to have more desire for sex for her husband. But he's to the point where he doesn't initiate anymore. And so if he doesn't initiate, her wording was, it's not going to happen. But yet, it's a contradiction there, isn't it? Of, I want to have more sex, and I want to have more desire, but I'm waiting on him to initiate. But not if I have to put myself out there and risk rejection to get it? Right. Come on! So it's it's kind of understanding, what role do I play? And so sometimes that might may mean I have to take a big move and and say, you know, I'm not settling for scraps. And today. why can't the roles reverse? Yep. It's a tennis match. It shouldn't always be that one person is always the initiator and the other person is always either the receiver or the rejector. Right. 
I think that there is a responsibility to reciprocate with being the pursuer because there is something absolutely magical about feeling wanted, desired, and pursued mm -hmm. and even craved. Well, and I know for, I'll speak for a lot of husbands here, I think, that if, and I'm putting the husbands that I'm speaking for in the high desire category, that a lot of us would sit here and say, you know, I want my wife to be, to up her initiation level. I want her to be more interested in sex, but mm -hmm. we don't realize what we're really saying is I just want my wife to be a sexual alive being with me. Yeah. And that if that means, I mean, cause it, what's helped me is realize I want Pam to just be receptive to me. I don't mind being the one that's the high desire that, that has to continually keep it on the forefront and go after it and kind of bring it up. She does as well, but hers are much more subtle. Right. So, I've, I've fell into that. Well, she doesn't ever initiate category when, mm. when I realize, yes, yeah, she does. But what I really want her to do is be receptive to my initiations, yeah. to be open to those things. Because when she does that, what that opens up is the possibility of her then becoming alive during an encounter and saying, no, 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 let's do this. Or, I'll, and then all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And I've heard that what turns men, I've heard what turns men on most yep. is a fully turned on woman. Yep. Well, you got to give her a chance to warm up because men are microwaves and women are crock pots. Yep. You, you, you have to have the eye to eye conversation with her. You have to compliment her. You have to have some skin to skin caressing. That's not just her intimate body parts, holding her hand, caressing her thigh, holding her in your arms raw, inviting her to put your head, put her head on your chest. Yep. But there's just so many things that will warm that woman up so that by the time you actually go for the genitals, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to make a lot of heat. Right. But, but if you're just going straight there, expecting to create a lot of heat, you're really just creating a lot of friction and friction isn't right. always comfortable. Yeah, because Look at it this way. This is, this is from Esther Pearl who wrote mating in captivity. Great mm -hmm. book, by the way. Um, yeah. She was doing a TED talk, and she just in a, just kind of in a passing comment made the statement of foreplay begins at the end of the orgasm. Whoa! Explain that one. Whenever you've had your orgasm and and your encounter's done, that's oh, when you're foreplay begins for the next connection. Yep. yep. Oh. And it's not that's, that that's it, pretty brilliant. It is, and it's not. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea. Of sex starts in the kitchen. You know, sex starts in the house. Whatever it is. But it's just a, it's the concept of this is a part of what makes our relationship different than every other relationship on the face of the planet. That's the, that's the design of marriage. So we have this elegant dance that we do with each other. And that's always kind of an undercurrent of we're just it's, it's kind of it's a version of foreplay. It's this it's a pursuing it's an intellectual connection. It's a emotional connection. And those that that then spills over into sexual connections down the road. And so it's not that you're constantly just trying to turn her on whenever you're done with sex. It's just that you keep in mind, okay, this is that was a great encounter. Now let's set the stage for the next one. Right. Let's stay connected. Yeah. In between. I mean, I, wow. That's a great That'll way. It, it does. It's <laughs> it's a great phrase. I mean, I remember just listening to that talk. And I'm like, whoa, 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 pause. Write that down. Da, da, da. I got to remember that one. And then, okay, keep keep listening. You know, and it's because it is one of those. If you look at the course of the way marriage sex unfolds, is we do hit routine and we do hit pattern and we do hit ruts. That's reality. 
Sure. The way there's you, no way you can't. Right. In a 50-year span of time or more, there's no way that you're not going to right. discover that you're a little bored or that you're being repetitive or whatever, but spice it up. So the way you change that is you understand the role you play, and then you decide, you know, hey, wait, is the sex that I'm having worth wanting? And if if the answer to that is no, well, then what do I need to change to create that? Mm. What do I need to do that's different? And that brings up the possibility of being able to make some bigger moves and and say, I mean, I, two things come to mind. One from my adventure in life with my wife, and then one thing that you've said on this show in the past that Greg has said to you of, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if you get off your backside a little more during sex, this will be <laughs> this would be a whole lot more enjoyable. That was a wake up call. It, absolutely, and I had something similar in the middle of settling for scraps with sex when it because it was. Early on, guaranteed mercy sex. You know, it was just Pam would kind of give it up to get me off her back. I finally realized, wait, in the middle of it, I was like, where are you? This, I don't want this. I want you. And when you're ready, you let me know. And I left the the bed and was like. I bet she's never forgotten that moment uh -uh, either. I don't think so. But it was one of those like, no, because I'm not going to settle for this. I've seen more from you and I want more from you. Because I I want to, and then that challenges me to have to give more. And that's the dynamic of what sex is. Is it truly wow. is a laboratory of growing into life. Yeah. And experiencing so yeah. much more of life. And, and, and striving other. to meet one another's needs. Yeah. Because I love how you followed that up with, and then I was challenged to give more. Absolutely. Because you can't require intimacy. You can only inspire intimacy. Yep. Absolutely. Because if you're going to make a move like that, you got to be willing to back that move up (laughs) (laughs) which means which means i better learn that it ain't ain't just about me yeah you know this is about her and that also means i need to pursue her in the way she wants to be pursued and it's not just about sex and it's it's about connection it's about life together it's about what happens outside of the bedroom too and what we create and that's it i mean that's that's the whole dynamic of what married life is isn't it is indeed well, man, this has been fun. It has. Do you ever feel like you need to go smoke a cigarette after we're done doing these shows? <laughs> On some episodes, that's for sure. Or I need to go take a shower. I, um, I, I wonder if our listeners <laughs> feel the need to go smoke a cigarette after our shows. <laughs> well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Uh, thanks again for joining us. And we are honored every time you take time out of your day, wherever that may be. And however you listen to us, we thank you for doing it. If we, if we left something out, got something you want us to hear, to talk about or hear, please send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Well, we'll see you again next time. I hope whatever it is you're see doing time, same bet channel. leads to great things. <laughs>